Hello, Woodlane community. This is Pastor Brian, and you are listening to the Woodlane Worship Podcast, episode 069. If you are listening to this, you are an honorary member of our community where we seek to bring the presence of Christ to those around us. On this week's episode, some events, no matter how much we prepare, can freeze us up. Making a speech, asking a person out, leading a group. That anxiety is common across humanity and across the ages. Fortunately, God puts a number of Bible characters through the same paces and shows us how community can help us get through. Check it out. The other day, I just finished a book about this fifth grader named Mark. And reading about Mark was like reading the diary of a wimpy kid in just about every facet. He was not the greatest athlete, could not swim. School, he struggled. He was slow. He had no confidence in himself. And there was a day he's so waiting for summer to begin, not so much for summer to start, but because the school year would end. But as summer begins, his Uncle Jake comes from out of town, and he spends the summer with him. His Uncle Jake is the guy who's got it all together. And so he tries to help Mark flush in some of the gaps that are in his life. And among the things that he challenges Mark to do, not far from their house, there's this river, and it's got a bridge. Imagine the bridges uh, over the canal. His uncle takes Mark by the bridge, and he says, by the end of the summer, like all the other kids in your grade, you're going to jump off that bridge into the river. And he helps to get him ready. He gets him comfortable in the water. He teaches him how to swim. Uh, Eventually, Mark's even swimming underwater. And then the day comes where it's jump day. And Mark goes up to the top of the bridge, and he sees his uncle down there in the water underneath And he panics, and he freezes up. You ever had that happen? Where no matter how much preparation you do, how ready you think you get, when you get to that moment of truth, it's like deer in headlights. Maybe you get scared. It can happen in many different areas of our lives, but it can also happen in our faith life. Hey, go encourage that lonely neighbor of yours. Go serve people you've never met before at the soup kitchen down at the other end of town. Go help step in to lead that small group that's starting up. Things that, no matter how much we prepare, sometimes they can just catch us and we freeze up. The good thing is, God has a reminder for us in those very situations with today's passage. Let's pray together. God, your word, because of your spirit, has power to transform lives. So today we ask that you do exactly that. Transform us from the inside out, we pray. Amen. Well, the author of Hebrews says, Therefore, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, let us also lay aside every weight and the sin that clings so closely, and let us run with perseverance the race that is before us, looking to Jesus, the pioneer and the perfecter of our faith who for the sake of the joy that was set before him endured the cross, disregarding its shame, and taking his seat at the right hand of the throne of God. This is the word of our Lord. Thanks be to God. Maybe some of you guys will recognize this picture and this story from using that theme of race, of Derek Redmond, 1992, in Barcelona. He was the shoo-in to win the 400. And in the semifinals of that race, he heard a pop 
and it was his hamstring that tore. And he tried to go on because you try, you train so hard for these kinds of things. He's in the Olympic Games that he kept trying to go a couple more steps until there was another pop. And I won't get into the details of what happened then, but he collapsed. Couldn't finish his race. And the thing that made it such a moment was as he's in his lane, trying to hobble his way to the finish line, trying to not have a do not finish on his name. His father comes out of the stands, onto the track, takes him over his shoulder and says, you're a champion. I don't care what this event looks like. We're going to finish this together. And he carries him across. One of those moments that kind of known in the lore of inspirational Olympic moments. And that is the image that is built into this passage that we read today of the runner in the ancient Olympics, that he looks up in the crowd and he sees a cheering section of people cheering him on, even if they're not somebody who runs out onto the track for him. Though we may not run a race that has a crowd of 65,000 people chanting our name, giving us a standing ovation as we try to cross the finish line, even if it's in last place. The fact is, when we're going through life, we need a cheering section working for us, helping us out. God wired us to desire community, to have those people around us that are encouraging us not to try and do it all on our own. I don't know if I had said this in our last series, but solitude is a gift from God. Isolation, trying to do things on our own, is not. So what kind of people can help us to run the race that is set before us? Because we may not be trying to run an Olympic race, but the idea still holds. We'll look at three different groups of people that that we ought to have around us, and hopefully do. We have those who come before us. Let's look back at the the first of the two verses that I read today, Hebrews 12.1. It says, I'm just going to have the first part of it here. Therefore, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses. Here's a little Bible study trick for you. Whenever you see the word therefore, find out what it's there for. Normally, it means go back a section. Look at what preceded. And what precedes this chapter is Hebrews 11, the hall of fame of Christendom, if you will. The scriptural superheroes of our faith. People like Moses, Abraham, Noah, David, Gideon, Jephthah, and the list goes on and on, and and the writer even says, I can't even talk about the stories of all these other people that were so good. As you are reading that, and and you're reading this verse that comes after, since we're surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, since we're surrounded by the Moseses and the Noahs and the Abrahams, imagine what it would be like if those icons were cheering you on in your faith. If Moses himself was coming up alongside you, saying, I know it's hard, but God is faithful and he will get you through. Imagine if Abraham himself came down, you know, I imagine him, Gandalf, beard and all, just my picture of Abraham, saying, you know what, I know it's scary, but God works this stuff out. And though you may be in the valley now, God will stay with you. It's not so bizarre a thought as we might think. But hopefully we have people that we're looking to in real life, if you will, that we can actually see, that we can talk to, that we can share coffee with. Because the point of that chapter, Hebrews 11, is not to make us feel inferior. Not to make us feel like I can't measure up 
to Moses, to Noah, to the faith of Abraham, or the strength of Gideon or Samson, but to be inspired. And no matter where we are in life, hopefully there are, there are people, whether in real life or you know, going to these icons or those throughout Christian history, those that have gone before us, that we can draw from, that we can learn from. Because we don't only look to these people for inspiration, but also for instruction. You see in Proverbs 19, listen to the advice and accept instruction that you may gain wisdom for the future. See, the fact is, we don't have enough time in our lives to make all the mistakes in the world, so we might as well learn from other people's mistakes and other people's successes. That's one of the ways experience is always the best teacher, but unfortunately the tuition is the most expensive. So if somebody else has already paid the tuition, had the experience, why not learn from them? Again, whether it's somebody we know in real life who's gone before us, or if we're looking in the history books of our country, of great leaders, of great Christians, maybe even to those who lived two, 3,000 years ago in the text of Scripture. If you have breath in your lungs, there is still a chance to grow and learn from those who come before us. We also have another group, those who go with us. Those who are walking alongside us as we walk in our life together, as we do our faith together. Our friends, co-workers, people in your small groups. People that will encourage us to keep going. Solomon says in Ecclesiastes 4, he says, better, two are better than one because they have a good reward for their toil. Here's the money verse, verse 10. For if they fall, one can lift the, up the other. But woe to the one who is alone and falls and does not have another to help. I have so far two half marathon medals to my credit. And the irony of these two medals is that so much was similar between the two events. Same course, the Syracuse half, almost exact same conditions as far as the weather, the temperature, the road conditions. But what was it that allowed me to run one race almost a, a minute per mile faster than the other? The only thing that was different was I was running with somebody alongside me, a friend who helped train with me. And in the first run, I had to do it solo because she got hurt a week before the race. But in the second race, six months later, she was healthy. And I was able to encourage her when she was slowing down and getting weak. And she was able to encourage me while I was slowing down and getting weak until we together were able to crush all 13.1 miles. It's the only thing that was different, but it made such a difference. We keep people around us, not just for that encouragement, though as important as that is, but also for accountability, to keep those people around us that will help us to keep growing, to keep becoming the best version of ourselves that we possibly can. Maybe even on occasion to share the hard truths that maybe we don't want to hear for ourselves or that we, we don't want to take on, but, but because they love us and because they're walking with us, they're able to share those things with us. Again, to keep us growing, to keep us encouraged. If you've ever had one of those friends that calls you out on something, calls you out well, 
which is to say they don't just drop the hammer on you so that they can smash you, but they want you to, to grow. They want you to be aware of something that in your life that maybe is holding you back from being the best you you can be. Then you know the value of having somebody like that in your life. Is there somebody that you have that you can be that honest with? That you can say one-on-one or one-on-two, something like that, hey, here's something I'm really struggling with. Here's something that I, I'm a temptation I'm facing that I don't know what to do with. I need somebody around me. I need somebody that can hear me say these words, that I can bring this topic into the light. Because once something comes into the light, it loses a lot of its power over us. Whether that's temptation, whether that's struggle, whether that's just things in our life that we need help dealing with. Do you have somebody that you can be that honest with, that open with? If you do, awesome, I'm glad. If you don't, that's one of those things I'd suggest shoring up real quick. And be wise about who you choose. The good thing is, let me put a bit of levity into this, you are allowed to consider those people that you like. Just the way human humanity works, sometimes we click better with a certain person than maybe somebody else. That's not good or bad, that's just how life works. There are certain people for me that, though I may have a room full of solid Christian brothers and sisters, just to take that demographic, and there are some that I just connect with better. Consider that. In Mark 3, we read that Jesus chose the 12 people that he was going to have around him for three years. He didn't just broadcast out a tweet like, hey, anybody who wants a wild ride over the next three years, join me at the uh, at Mount Adrenaline Rush tomorrow morning at 8 o'clock. No. He went up on Mount Adrenaline Rush and prayed and chose the 12 people that he wanted to have around him. For whatever criteria he used, he chose them. But again, choose wisely. Because you are the composite of the five people you hang out with the most. So if you're hanging out with good people that are going to help you better yourself, that's where you're going to go. That's where you're going to turn into. If you're hanging out with five total deadbeats, just to use the caricature, uh, you could probably choose a better group to hang around with. Get a whole other series probably there. But we have one more group. Those that come after us. Again, I'm going to draw on that theme that we've been bringing up time and time again over the last couple of weeks to be a part of a mission that is bigger than you. Who are you encouraging? Who are you pouring yourself into? If you've already paid the tuition on learning through experience, who are you helping to give the education to? Let's put it this way. Some of you guys are, are doing this incredibly well. I don't deny that at all. And I don't say, I don't encourage you about this to say that you're not doing a good job at this. Last week we were celebrating our Sunday school recognition where we brought out some of our unsung heroes that are pouring themselves into our kids. Whether they're there all the time or whether they're here on occasion, doesn't matter. And maybe, short of seeing them up front once a year as we recognize Sunday school, maybe you didn't even know that it was going on or that this sort of stuff was happening. Again, people behind the scenes investing in those who are coming up behind them. The Bible has plenty of examples of people doing this and, and relationships where this is happening. 
You have Jethro, the father-in-law of Moses, who is encouraging him, who is advising him, pouring into him. You have Elijah, who is pouring into his successor, Elisha. Elijah pouring into Elisha. You have Paul in the New Testament, who brings up his protege, Timothy, this young pastor that he's investing in, pouring himself into. As I bring this up, maybe that's one of those things that freezes you up, that gets you kind of deer in headlights like we were talking about at the start. You may think, I'm not Jethro, I'm not Paul. I don't have 15,000 degrees behind my name. How am I going to pour myself into into somebody else? How am I going to build up those people who are coming behind us? I'll give you two ideas that don't have any requirement to them as far as resume. One of them is simply consistent character. It's the idea of who you are in church on Sunday morning for an hour is the same person that you are in Wegmans, is the same person you are at the ballpark, same person you are at home. Over the last eight and a half years that I've had a reason to celebrate Father's Day, I've had conversations with many of you about parenting. Those, you know, a lot of you guys are a lot more experienced at this than I am. And one of those themes that keeps coming up is that idea of being consistent, of being reliable, dependable in, in how you are and who you are. And the good thing about it is when we have that and when we demonstrate that, that we have a consistent character, it makes influencing people easier because they there's not so much of a guard. People know, okay, this person is looks one way on Sunday, and yeah, they look the same way when they're coaching baseball. They look the same way when they're at home or when they're you know in the parking lot and somebody just stole their parking spot. They're the same person. All right, I trust them. When we get that part wrong, people can smell that a mile away. So when we have consistent character, it breaks down some of those walls and makes it easier for us to pour into to those coming up after us. But also, simple encouragement. The fact is, it probably takes twice the amount of courage to be a Christian in the high school or the middle school today than it did when we were in those ages, even when I was. When church was at worst, uh, okay, fine, you go to church, blah, blah, blah. And, and today it's kind of like, you go to, you go to where? It takes courage to, to be, have a consistent character in, in an environment like that. And yet, we have students that are trying to do it as best they can. And so when you see them around, when you see them serving, even in the littlest of ways, don't be afraid to encourage them. Say thank you. Recognize what it's taking for them to do that, to be that kind of person. Thank you for even just showing up. So are there any of these areas, whether those before us, those with us, or those coming up after us, that within your kind of relational network that maybe needs a little filling in? But I'd ask you this week to take one step toward doing that, whatever it is. If it's just writing down so you can acknowledge in your head and consciously think of those that have come before me, those that when I think of their name and I think of their influence, I say, yes, I am a better person because of what they did. What can I learn? What else can I learn from them? Do I have those around me that can encourage me, that can help me to grow, that are walking this walk that is so often dirty and ugly and messy as we try and figure it out? Do I have people around me that are encouraging me? 
And am I taking that and passing it on to somebody else and encouraging somebody else that maybe I can help, I can mentor, I can just even say, hey, I notice you're showing up. I notice the, tri- the person you're trying to be and become. Good job. Keep it going. I'm going to finish this out. This is kind of a, a poem that I found that, that fits the idea of Father's Day, but really fits especially that last group. So whether you bear the title of father or mother or anything else, all of us are over the age, maybe except Andrew. I'll give you a pass for a few years on this one. That there's somebody we can invest in. This is a, a poem by what's called The Little Chap Who Follows Me. And again, it's written from a father's perspective. But it says, a careful man I want to be. A little fellow follows me. I do not dare to go astray for fear he'll go the self-same way. I cannot once escape his eyes. Whatever he sees me do, he tries. Like me, he says he's going to be the little chap who follows me. He thinks that I'm so very fine, believes in every word of mine. The bad in me, he must not see the little chap who follows me. I must remember as I go through summer's sun and winter's snow, I'm building for the years to be the little chap who follows me. Thanks again for listening to the Woodland Worship Podcast. I hope we've given you something to make you think. If you'd like some more information about our community, check us out at woodlanechurch.org or visit our Facebook page at Woodlane Newark. If you happen to be in the Finger Lakes area, come check us out live on a Sunday morning at 9.45 a.m. See you next week on the Woodlane Worship Podcast.